Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the end of time. That we are, James. And today we are talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 12, where you're just going to start the episode, you're going to start the dang thing, and then you're going to stop at 33 minutes and 8 seconds. This is part three of our four-part series of October 9th, 1983. Mm-hmm. Don't you just love it, though, when like you don't have to break it down into multiple clips? Love. Like When you can just well, be like, hey, hey here's, a, here's a chunk of time. Different parts of my brain like different things about that. Colin, That's fair. You know? No, I, I get that. I get that too. <laughs> I know a little freak like you. I mean, I know that like a a, a guy who likes spreadsheets mm-hmm. rather like you um, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. enjoys finding like the the smaller details. Anyway, so like I said, Agents of Shield, season seven, episode twelve, starting just started off right. Started off right. You can skip over the recap, uh, and then after yeah. they do like the little, that's the pages yeah. flipping, and then Marvel. Yeah, that's when the episode really starts. And uh, this is one of those ones where there's a couple of Colin editorials, but it was just long of an, long enough of an episode where I said, I think I'm going to trust Marvel Wiki again. I think that's a good call. And here is what happens with mostly them, but a little bit of me. Yeah. Alfonso McKenzie, see, again, yep, using the full yep. name, Daisy Johnson and Daniel Sousa are still in the Quinjet watching the Chronicom destroyer ship firing on shield bases on Earth. They tried to formulate a plan, but Mackenzie is only worried about first docking with a Zephyr, which Daisy manages to do successfully. Mac tells her, good flying, Tremors. Sousa offers up, I thought it was Quake. <laughs> and they have like a fun little moment together. Nice callback, Daniel. But before <laughs> anyone can make any further jokes, one of the Chronicom ships pulls the Zephyr on board, trapping the team inside. The three agents wait with weapons drawn at the bay door of the Quinjet for someone to open it and come on board. And they sit there. And they wait. And they wait. Until finally Sousa says, is it possible that there's someone on the other side of that door doing the exact same thing that we're doing? Which prompts Mac to very cautiously and very quietly kind of be like, damn, he might be right. Like Again, he doesn't say that out loud, but like you can see that on his face and he casually like again keeping one hand on the axe shotgun very cautiously reaches over and boop hits the button and when it opens up there's nothing a lot of good suspenseful music by the way in this little section Mm -hmm. for sure to the point where it is so powerful that even the captions have notated it yeah like it's it's all over the place here so they slowly explore this effort only to find that no one is on board Kenzie then gives the order to scan the Chronicon ship and see if they can find Simmons and Shaw. Uh, meanwhile, Nathaniel Malik and his group make their way down a futuristic hallway with Gemma Simmons and Deke Shaw ugh, in tow. Malik gives Simmons one more chance to give up Leo Fitz's location before a projection of Sybil pops up and a Chronicon injects Simmons with something. She and Shaw are thrown into the cell sorry, into a cell rather, and locked up. Malik and Cora meet back with Sybil in her actual physical form this time. Malik go, uh, gloats, sorry, let me try one more time. Malik gloats about all of the shield targets being destroyed before Sybil interrupts by pointing out that the lighthouse still stands. The fact that the lighthouse can withstand any external attack, and Malik gives a nod to John Garrett while 
assuring Sybil that they have it under control. She points out that none of it matters if Fitz is still alive. She reveals that the injection she gave Simmons is dissolving her implant, and they will soon know his location in the lighthouse. Colson, Melinda May, and Yo-Yo Rodriguez try to come to terms with what has happened to S.H.I.E.L.D. Suddenly, some kind of strange signal takes over the base's computers. May wonders what the Chronicoms are doing now, while Phil Colson goes to work on figuring out what is happening. Malik and Cora make their way around the ship when she questions his relationship with the Chronicoms and why he killed her mother. He lies and tries to justify this action by, by telling her that how evil her mother was and how dangerous her younger sister is. He quickly wins her back over. Meanwhile, Garrett teleports into the lighthouse and plants a chronobomb on a wall uh, that is capital C, capital B, with a dash between the two words. Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, because it, it, it has an implied TMTMTM on it. Uh, Shaw tries to find a weakness in the cell while Simmons complains about a tingle in her head. Shaw explains that it's just the implant which visibly confuses Simmons. He tries to explain and help her remember everything, but it appears that her entire memory is slipping. Johnson manages to find Shaw and Simmons on their scan, and Sousa also points out Cora. Johnson proclaims that Cora will not stop her from getting back Simmons and Mackenzie. Uh, sorry, from getting back Simmons and Mackenzie reminds her they are also there to rescue Shaw. I think that's the second one that you that's were thinking the, of. But that's the like, first one. Oh, that the first the, one? The, sec- the second one is definitely with Deke doing the and me. Oh sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So he's like, "All right." She's like, "I'm gonna go get Simmons." He's like, "And Shaw." Sure. Oh, yeah. To which she responds, sure. They lay out a plan for Johnson to get their friends back while Mackenzie and Sousa try to get the hangar doors open for their escape. Before she makes her way out, Sousa stops Johnson and kisses her. Aw, so cute. Once again, though, doing that thing where it's like, we are, we have a limited amount of time. (laughs) And you are taking up precious seconds of that. (laughs) Um, Impressive. Most impressive. Coulson struggles to figure out the mysterious signal when May notices Garrett's presence in the base. They watch from a security camera and see that he is planting bombs around the base. They discuss a device that can, sorry, that they have that can stop Garrett from teleporting. On the Chronicon ship, Johnson makes her way to Simmons and Shaw before she is interrupted by a projection of Sybil, which also appears on the Zephyr for Mackenzie and Sousa. Uh, She tells them that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been destroyed and that they have already lost. She ends her transmission, and Malik argues with her to not, sorry, to let him, sorry, kill the agents. She explains that Johnson and Simmons reuniting increase the odds of them uh, learning the location of Fitz, and that he should not interfere. Mac and Sousa discuss what Sybil just told them, and Sousa tries to assure uh, Mac it is not true. I'm just going to start just saying Mac instead of McKenzie. It's driving me nuts. Alfonso um, McKenzie. Yep. He then reminds him that they still need to create an escape route. Mac agrees and fires a missile at the hangar doors. And it does nothing. I think it's really funny anytime humans are like, contact with alien life forms and alien spaceships. Let's use this thing that we know works on our physiology and in our world. And it's just like simply... 
it's like swatting a fly for them, and they're like, shit. Do you know what's a good juxtaposition of that? I like that too. The uh, the noisy cricket in the first Men in Black movie, yes. the little oh, tiny that's gun. Awesome, yeah. Yeah. The idea of something that small being like having such a huge, powerful like pack is very good. It is thematically the appropriate like, too. Launching him back. What's that? Yeah, the, it's thematically appropriate too. Like I, I had never thought about how like the whole theme of that movie is little tiny is powerful because you know I don't want to spoil Men in Black, but you know. Now for a while, I also want to point out that the new you know, movie Men in Black. Oh. <laughs> no. Um, it's great though because you see a cockroach getting taken on by a cricket. Yeah, a lot of oh, insects in this. Love one. that. And then there's yeah. the worms, the Java. Yeah, worms. that's always bugged me. Mm. Sugar water. I wonder if he would like Lacroix. Probably not enough sugar. Not yeah, I would imagine not. Yeah, too bubbly. Yeah, yeah, he'd be like, it's spicy. <laughs> you know why is it spicy? Uh, anyway. Back to the story. In the lighthouse, Coulson paints a big red X on the floor. Uh, May uh, examines a piece of tech, and the two have a conversation about the new versions of themselves, but they are interrupted when Garrett shows up right on the X. Some Looney Coulson Tunes gets shit. Him, what's that? It's like some Looney Tunes shit. It like... really is, yeah. <laughs> Coulson gets him talking to distract him before Rodriguez gets the device on him. He tries to teleport out, but cannot. Colson tells him he has to disarm the bombs or he will also die. Garrett calls Malik and asks him to deactivate the bombs. Mac refuses. Sorry, Malik, sorry, refuses. Babby Wild. Mac somehow. No. Gets on the what? phone and like, yeah, of course not. Oh, no, wait. That's my base. Shit. <laughs> um, he's like, is this reverse psychology? Uh, are we in a fight? Uh, Malik refuses <laughs> and is willing to leave Garrett to die. Garrett seems shocked as the final bomb seems to be charging up for detonation before Rodriguez rushes away with it. An explosion brings the wall crashing down on Coulson, May, and Garrett. In a pile of rubble, Rodriguez uh, surges for Coulson and May. She finds that Coulson used his body to shield May from debris. Yeah, there you go. Um, She explains that she rushed all the bombs to one spot, which only caved in a portion of the base. Coulson finds Garrett still alive, and May asks, uh, and May says to save him, explaining that he is their best chance to help their friends. Mac and Sousa prepare for an attack from the Chronicoms, who promptly arrive on the Zephyr. Mac uses a piece of tech to knock out six Chronicom hunters. I forgot what that device is called, but that is yeah. something from season one. And yeah. it's like, I want to say it's like the first time we've seen it in like four or five seasons, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they, they really brought back all the stops and it was fun to see. Yeah. Uh, he then picks up one of their weapons and explains to Sousa that they have to hold off the rest of them long enough for their friends to get back. Meanwhile, Johnson continues to make her way to her friends when two Chronicoms make their way towards her. She freezes and the robots walk right past her without even so much as looking at her. Weird. May explains that Garrett will make it, and Rodriguez races in with an injury on her arm. She explains that she was searching for an exit and got impaled by a piece of rebar. To make matters worse, they are trapped in the base. Garrett wakes and begins to question what is going on. Coulson explains that Malik has changed the timeline, and it is not too late for Garrett to switch to the right side. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's him kind of contemplating a little bit, <laughs> but not nearly that one. 
Garrett agrees, but Coulson is distracted when they when he notices a pattern in the mysterious sounds that he has been hearing. I think that's what I was latching on to earlier. Yes. He, ne- okay. he notices something, but it's not the written <clears throat> thing. It's the, the hearing thing. Yeah. Uh, finally, Johnson. See, again, this is the issue of also jumping back and forth between multiple episodes, right. too, for notes. That's yeah. why I think I was getting so confused. Uh, finally, Johnson gets to Shaw and Simmons. Shaw embraces her, but Simmons is hesitant and appears to not remember Daisy. They convince her to leave by promising she can get a costume just like Johnson's. That's a cute moment. It was like, you know, it, it ta- he definitely takes it in a Jeff Ward direction. Like, I think that um, they look at each other and yes, it was a very like, have you ever seen Bad Boys? Yeah. Martin, yeah. Martin Lawrence yeah. and the, yeah. It feels like that where it's like, this is a comedy, but it's also an action thing. So we have this timing down. Yeah. It's also, it also makes me think of like any video that you've ever seen of like a kid coming back from like anesthesia for like uh, dentistry uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. The way that like she's kind of like, can I get a costume too? Kind of thing. I mean, she says not how she sounds, but you know, just the I way appreciate that, like, that you put the English accent on that, even though it was slowed down like 15 clicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no i she's like you know doing that and they're kind of like uh, yeah you know what if it'll get you in the car then yes and she's like oh goody Dick's like i've always wanted to get my grandma in a leather what? no stop <laughs> this is highly confusing and i really wish we had therapy in the future Elsewhere, Sybil explains to her crew that the implant in Simmons' brain has now been dissolved before questioning Malik on Cora's location. He assures her she is resting, but pacing, Malik asks what will happen if they do not get the information they need. Sybil explains that Simmons will have no choice but to let them know and assures Malik that he can do what he wants with the rest of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he, but- he gets a look in his eye right there that's like, you just told him he gets a shopping spree at KB Toys. It's like... Yeah. Ooh. Oh, train time. That's exactly what he said. He goes, train, train time. Because he's <laughs> going to pick up all the train kits. Uh, okay. So Mackenzie and Susa prepare for another attack with only 50 Chronicom uh, killing shotguns left. Susa instead comes up with a plan to use the six killed Chronicoms as explosives. And Mackenzie agrees to that plan. It's a that's if I may the most role playing game moment of maybe the whole series is like wait a minute if we use this thing from three missions ago <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like this this whole bit is very much just what if this show was done through D and D right like even literally going oh god what the hell is in my bag of holding like what's right. something that I've been holding on to that I've not used like I need every tool that I can get. Oh my God, the whatever they call that sonic boom blaster thing, you know? Right. Um, and then he uses that and they're like, cool, one use. Anyway, Johnson, Simmons, and Shaw make their way back to the Zephyr and Simmons' memories start to return before they are stopped by Korra. Frustrated, Sybil explains that she is going to ruin their plan. Johnson sends Shaw and Simmons to the Zephyr while she stands off with Korra. Daisy defends herself from a couple of attacks while she convinces her sister that she's on the wrong side. Coulson figures out the code is the location of an 084, an object of unknown origin. 
Team discuss what to do with the information, and Coulson points out that they are trapped in the base. Garrett offers to help them by teleporting them out. Uh, May and Rodriguez immediately turn him down, but Coulson, eh, he's a little bit more open to the idea. He's like, hang on, let him cook. Because uh, he definitely said that in 2020. Uh, Mackenzie and uh, Sousa attach the six robots, creating some sort of massive bomb uh, onto the literal missiles in the front of the ship. Simmons and Shaw show up, with Shaw questioning the suicide bomb. What are we, some kind of suicide bomb? Anyway, (laughs) Mackenzie assures him it was only in case they did not get back to the Zephyr. Sousa tries to go help Johnson before Mackenzie orders him to stand down and find him some duct tape instead. Colin, that's not a chronobomb. This is a chronobomb. Yeah, that's not a chronobomb. This is a chronobomb. Uh, that's a spoon. Oh, I see you've played knifey spoony before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, I see you've played crony bomby before. Yeah. <laughs> Misa like a crony bomby. Oh, I see you've played Jar Jar Banks before, right? <laughs> Don't worry, I'll wait, I'll get it. Wait, him. Jar Jar Banks does sound like. The Nick, you know, like Chris Hemsworth's high school friend Jar Jar Binks, and then me and Jar Jar went down to right, the right. And you won't, you wouldn't believe this, right? You know, like, <laughs> that's a little too British, but like, uh, yeah. And you would, oh God, it's hard to do. Like, he's kind of like deeper Australian, yeah, because like yeah. it's Australian, but it's like it's a deeper voice, and I don't know how yeah. to like just do an Australian accent but lower the 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 tempo. No, the <laughs> fifteen clicks, the not Tamper? tint either. Tone? Tone, yeah, I guess. Anyway, Sybil uh, and Malik, this is the end of it. So Sybil and Malik uh, argue over their now failing plan before they come across Cora. She explains that she does not think Johnson is bad. Malik grabs a weapon from a chronicom and shoots Cora, eventually, so evidently, stunning her rather than killing her. It looks like an icer. Yeah, I think so. Um, he orders a chronicom to lock her up. Johnson gets back to the Zephyr and the team prepares to take off. Mac fires two more missiles at the door, but this time it's the ones with the Chronicom bodies that are duct taped to them. They create a massive explosion, allowing the team to get away. There's uh, also, this is not in their notes, this is part of me, but like the moment where, they're, where they break out of the thing and they're kind of almost collectively holding their breath yeah, until they're out of reach of what their tractor beams would be, apparently. Yeah. The way they kind of all and just like realize that they're like, okay, we're starting to gain some ground again. Right. It's been a minute. But also, how do we turn around and use this as our, you know. Right. Anyway, thoughts? This is Star Wars A New Hope. Um, It's the Death Star. It's the entire Death Star sequence of Star Wars A New Hope. Uh, if Gemma had, instead of saying, I don't know who you are, can I have a costume, said, you're a little short for an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, it, 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 it the, the, the color palette's the same, like, you have an angry white man, like, it, it's, you know, you're, you have an evil droid, it's like, you know, um, so, I mean, I loved it, it was very, like, it's it's weird because like this whole season has been sort of pastiches of genre, but now it feels like they're trying to trick us all of a sudden. <laughs> like it's been like eighties, 
70s cop show. Look, we're being black and white noir sort of stuff. And that's like, I don't know, hey, Star Wars. If you if you look uh, over your shoulder, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. It's Star Wars. Hey, it's Star Wars. It's fine. But yeah, I mean, I like yeah. it a lot. I think that uh, I like to see plans fall apart for villains, especially like precogs. But like, hey, I didn't see that coming. It's like you did what? The exact what? opposite of uh, of what the fuck is his name from a a team? Uh, B Baracus. Hannibal. B A Baracus. It's Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he's like, I love seeing a plan come together. James yeah, is like, exactly. I love watching a plan fall apart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then he doesn't he doesn't have a cigar, so he puts like I don't know, like a lollipop in his mouth. Like yeah. Okay, just a Swiss blade. Yeah, probably Swiss dangerous. Yeah, it's all closed up. Um. So anyway, so yeah, no notes yeah. about this stuff. Um, Do you have anything yeah, else? I, I think that uh, you know I, I like watching Sousa and and Mac work together. I think that uh, in the last episode, I think I talked about, like, I think that the moment where Mac lets Sousa hit the button to launch the missile, it's a little bit like, a, no, you carved the turkey kind of deal. Like, it's mm. it's like you, you're part, not, you're, you're not, you're not not an in-law, but you are one you of You are the us. Grinch, and they are yeah. allowing you, he himself, the Grinch, to carve yeah. the roast beast. Did did you watch that uh, that series of shorts about Daniel Sousa stealing Christmas? <laughs> Again, the start <laughs> of the sentence, I was like, okay, hang on. I'm with James. He's asking an important question. And then by the end of that sentence, you didn't have the face yet of like, I recognize that I've done, I've done a little silly thing. But the way that like I was like, okay, thinking, and then the way I just sort of slowly met your eyes, and I was just kind of like, come on, man. There's a part where he has his dog with a single antler. It's really great. Hey, I'd love some fan art of Daniel Seuss and the Grinch if anyone wants to wants to shoot that onto the timeline. That'd be great. Mm. Is that... Just me. Okay. Just tag me. You know, Colin doesn't want to see it. No, I do. Add timeline Colin's scab. the Grinch of Grinching. Mm. It's a double Grinch. Met a Grinch. Once I met a Grinch. Once I met a Grinch. It was okay. Do you have other thoughts? Sorry. Uh, let's see. Um, no, I mean, like it's it's a it's a standard rescue mission, and then they shoot their way out. I, you know, it's fun. It's mm-hmm. it's a fun sort of. Uh, there's a very like you know that uh, I think it was Nike that commercial where the person throws the hammer at the big screen of the like authority figure. Oh yeah, yeah. It sort of had kind of one of those things going so, on. Yeah, I think that was for that was like a 1984 Olympics tie-in commercial for. Uh, but it's like famous, like it's like the thriller of commercials. Is that not Mac and and the is it is it not where there's like a bunch of people at like cubicles, like a giant? No, it's 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 more like there there's a bunch of people like in a crowd watching a screen, and then someone comes up and throws a hammer. It's I'm sure that the Mac one was inspired by because this thing was like like you know Citizen Kane of commercials. Mm. I am saying that Thriller is the Citizen Kane of albums. That's wild because Citizen Kane is not a good movie. Um, what if I was like, I know, I hate Thriller. Wow, I'd be like, whoa, big revelation. <laughs> but I'm also, I'm sitting here trying to think of that that commercial. It's it's so interesting. Yeah, I can't picture. Yeah, it. Uh, we'll watch it afterwards. Well, I'm yeah, sure. we'll put. We'll, yeah, we can put a link in the show notes. Good point. Yeah, I, with no context and randomly, here's a link to a Nike commercial. <laughs> what actually be 
even better is if I forget to do it then, but then like after the episode comes out and I'm listening, I go, oh, okay. And I just drop that randomly. Yeah. In the middle of another podcast that's also not to do with it. They oh, just go, what? In the show notes. Yeah. I was like, hey, by the way, remember when we talked about that thing? Here it is. But then I'm like, when do they talk about that thing? A month ago? A week ago? <laughs> a year ago? Who can know? Uh, other than that, I have an Avengers Ensemble, but... Uh... But yeah, why don't you hear us with Avengers yeah. Ensemble and then I'll sure. do something to, to help you know kick us out. Kick us out? Great. You know what I'm saying? Kick us out. Avengers Ensemble. Okay, so uh our Avengers Ensemble is the last one of introducing a new episode of Agents of Shield season seven, which is kind of a wild thing to think about. Um, because last episode I did 11 and 13. So here is the last one that we're going to introduce. It's the second to last one of the series. Time is weird. Episodes are weird. The show is weird. Um, it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 12. The end is at hand. Uh, it aired on August 12th, 2020. It, like I said last episode, the 12 and 13 aired on the same night. So it was sort of like, you know, the magnificent series finale or whatever. Um, marvelous, maybe they said. Uh, it was directed by Chris... Cher Ami, uh, Cher like the singer, and then Ami like the French word for friend, A-M-I-E. Uh, he directed this and then one episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Slingshot, and that's it. So good job, Chris. You, you did it. Uh, it was written by Jeffrey Bell, who uh, had some a somewhat extensive career. Uh, some nerdy stuff I saw. He wrote four episodes of Alias, 13 episodes of Angel. Uh, he did 45 episodes of X-Files as story editor, executive story editor, and writer. And I didn't go into how many of each. Uh, we don't meet sort of anyone new. Uh, so there's no actors to be done. So that is the end of Avengers Ensemble. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that, James. And hey, thank you for having me. Uh, before we, uh, before the end is near, or since the end oh. is near. Uh-huh. At hand. At hand. Damn. Since the end is at hand. Uh-huh. Here's a perfect tie-in. Uh, because James, today yeah. I've got a a little bit of like the uh, yeah. Stan Freeberg, you know, history of the United States of America. Sure. Yeah, that kind of thing. But also the, the was early Bud, years. Budweiser presents Maybe. Great Man of History? I don't know. Was... All I know is I'm currently throwing out all my Budweiser drinks, okay? <laughs> you trying to tell me that there's some sort of other person that doesn't look like me enjoying Bud Light? Well, I already paid for this case and I'm going to toss it. I'm going to really show them. <laughs> anyway, uh, today in Nate Men of History, uh, you we just said the end is at hand. Well, James, I'd like to talk to you about the Nate that I would prefer over Nathaniel Malik, uh, and that is Nathan Handworker. Do you know who that is? Nathan Handworker? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't. That is the man that began the company that we know and love, Nathan's Famous Incorporated. 
Oh, uh, which is technically the actual one that I'm kind of going for. I really wanted to say Nathan's famous, but but I realized it was actually named after an actual Nate, and it has yeah. hand in his last name. It was like perfect. Yeah. So they're an American company that operates a chain of fast food restaurants specializing in hot dogs. The original Nathan's restaurant still stands at the corner of Surf and Stillwell Avenues in the Coney Island neighborhood of the Brooklyn Borough of uh, New York City, New York. The company's headquarters are at one Jericho place in Jericho, sorry, Plaza, sorry, uh, in Jericho, New York, part of Oyster Bay, New York. Too many places all at once. Um, I do, I don't, I normally keep this pretty short, but I do want to talk about it very quickly just because I do find Nathan's to be pretty exciting and I like their hot dogs. Um, Nathan's began as a nickel hot dog stand in Coney Island in 1916. Nickel. Wow. Think of how much more expensive they are now. Especially if you go to a game, oh god, uh, and bears the name of its co-founder Nathan Handwerker, eighteen ninety-two to nineteen seventy-four, who started the business with his wife, famous Ida Handwerker. Uh, yeah, well, I, Ida, yeah, Ida who Ida Handwerker mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yeah, it's like it's like I Ida what <laughs> Ida Handwerker, uh, Nay Greenwald. Anyway. Uh, Ida oh, yeah. created the hot dog recipe they used, and Ida's grandmother created the secret spice recipe. Ooh. Because Nathan's famous all-beef hot dogs lacked rabbinic, rabbinic, rabbinic supervision, and the meat wasn't kosher. Oh, so yeah, of rabbi, rabbinic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Handworker coined the term kosher style because the hot dogs were not made from pork or horse meat. <laughs> it's the straight-edge style alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, Handworker was a Jewish-Polish immigrant who arrived in New York City in 1912 and soon found work at the Coney Island, sorry, in Coney Island, Brooklyn, uh, at the restaurant called Feltman's German Gardens. Uh, by one account, he was encouraged by singing waiters Eddie Cantor and Jimmy Durante uh, wow. to go into business in competition with Feltman's. Wow, uh, there Jimmy are many Ray. stories about Nathan and how the business began, but this is the way he told it. Uh, dot, dot, dot. Uh, that's part of the source of that. Uh, the mm-hmm. company's official history does not mention the future star's encouragement. Nathan and Ida spent their life savings of $300 worth $7,000 as of May 2018, uh, accounting for inflation, to begin the business. Um let me just uh, let me just give one more. I think here because I think this is pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, Handworker undercut Feltman's by charging five cents for a hot dog when his former employee was charging ten cents. Uh, at a time when employee. food regulation was in its infancy, what's that? He worked for Feldman's though. Yes. Okay. okay. I, I was. I, I missed. He it. undercut them by only right. charging five for his right. where, while right. they were still doing ten. Right. Um, and the pedigree of the hot dog particularly was suspect. Handworker ensured that the men wearing sur- uh, were wearing surgeon's smocks uh, were eating at his stand to reassure potential customers. Um, the business proved immensely popular. And of course they did. Because since then, uh, they've also been a part of uh, Kenny Rogers Roasters and Miami Subs Grill. Uh, they, let's see, hang on. They also own the co-branding rights to Arthur Treacher's fish and chips chain. Hmm. 
Uh, and in 2017, they announced that Nathan's Famous uh, had reached a sponsorship deal with Major League Baseball, allowing the company to market itself as the official hot dog brand of the league. Um, it was already the official hot dog brand of one, two, three, four, four of, uh, major teams at the time, but is now uh, the official one of all of them. And, uh, of course, the only other thing of note is the fact that every year there is the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which is held sure. annually at the original location on Coney Island since the early 1970s on the 4th of July. Contestants try to consume as many hot dogs as possible in 10 minutes. Winners include uh, Takiro, Takiru sorry, uh, Kobayashi, 2001 to 2006, and Joey Chestnut, probably the yep. most famous one. Uh, from 2007 to 2014, and then 2016 to 2022. Only one year did he not get it since yeah. 2007. Uh, and Miki Sudo uh, is the women's winner from 2014 to 2018. In 2008, Chestnut tied Kobayashi. Oh, that's this is the year. In 2008, Chestnut tied Kobayashi after eating 59 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. Uh, the tie resulted in a five hot dog eat off, which Chestnut won by consuming all five before Kobayashi. Oh, that's not the missing year. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Um, I was like, I was like wait. <laughs> I was looking at that and then went, wait. Oh, right, right. In 2018, Chestnut consumed... Okay, he, he set a new world record. Do you know what it was? I'm going to say 85. You are fairly close. It's a little lower. 78. 74 hot dogs. Wow. That's too many hot dogs. <laughs> that's too many hot dogs. Colin, what if what if uh, what if the deal that Nathan's had w for this contest was you have to buy the hot dogs? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, but mate, what if it was at the original price, a nickel, nickel, nickel a dog? Yeah. All right, so that's twenty twenty dogs in, uh, for a, a dollar. Nickel a dog? Seven. I hardly know her. <laughs> I'd no a, a hand worker. I hardly hand hand newer. Hand hand newer, yeah. Um, Ooh, so nickel hot dog seventy four, so that's twenty cents is a dollar. So or twenty hot dogs is a dollar. So sixty is three. It's like three fifty. It's not three seventy. Yeah. I wonder what that. What, do you know what? What's their tax like? I'll just On say it's nine percent in Coney Island. None. Yeah. None percent. <laughs> Uh, four twenty-five, maybe. Let's say, like, so yeah. for less than five dollars, you can get. Joey Chestnut brings a fin to the to the Nathan's hot dog stands because it says, "Give me seventy-five. and they're like, seventy-five? He's like, "I want one for my celebration dinner." <laughs> yeah, or he's like, "And eh, one for the kid." That'd be that'd be pretty funny. He brings his kid with him, and he's like, "Yeah, seventy-four for me and one for the kid." And they're like, <laughs> "I don't." He's promised a sick kid in the hospital that he'll eat 74 hot dogs. Um, oh, hey, my Colin, gosh. I've... I can't believe he's not getting better. It's, it's almost as if he only ate 73, tying with the previous record, <laughs> instead of breaking the record for at 74. That's just nuts. Anyway, that has been... Nate Men in History. Hey, fun fun additional fact. Uh, back when Frankenstein's Jukebox was doing clues uh, mm -hmm. for our songs, uh, Daniel, my co-host, uh, referenced Nathan's uh, as uh, a part of their clue for um, a band that had the word Nathan in it. And like the, the musician's name was Nathan something. So mm. their clue was something like hot dog brand something something. And so 
Nathan's is important to me because that was part of the answer. And that's the only reason. Hmm. No oh. other affiliation, huh? Nope, none. Not okay. the official hot dog of this household. Well, they are, think, by the way, the official hot dog of this podcast. Everyone, this episode is brought to you by Nathan's Famous Incorporated Hot Dogs. Get them at the aisle in which you get your famous kosher hot dogs from. Style. Kosher the style. Kosher style yeah. aisle. I'll say that I'll get the kosher style that makes me smile. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Kosher, as always. Know her. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I had a hand worker. More like Ida Greenwald. Because um, I knew her in high school. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> as always, I'm James Anderson. I'm Colin Barker. And I just wanted to really note, uh, just so everyone is clear. Uh, Werner Reinhardt is still in prison and is not eligible for any hot dog eating contest. Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.